Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. When you imagine a royal court from the Middle Ages, you might picture a dark, gloomy castle. But in Sicily, things were different. The medieval court of uh, Sicily was very architecturally colorful. You could have seen exotic animals, and they could have seen giraffes and leopards and cheetahs and exotic birds and even an elephant. This is Lucia Fanodo. She was a fellow this year at the Frankel Institute for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. If you had visited the court in the 1200s, she says, you would have been impressed by the cultural scene. The visitor would have experienced poetry contexts in different languages, both Arabic, Latin, and Sicilian. He would have witnessed scientific experiments live, which were conducted at the court. He would have observed the stars. Observing the stars was very important not only uh, from a scientific point of view, but astrologers were important to predict the course of events and the outcome of wars as well. Discussions of philosophy and mathematics. As a visitor to the court, you might have been treated to a spread of sumptuous foods. Like eels marinated in vinegar, sugar violets. The uh, kings loved to, to taste Sugar violets are still produced in Sicily based now based on the same recipe. Almond cakes with rose water, which was very exotic for the European scene of the time. What you probably wouldn't have noticed on your visit to the court was the important role that Jewish translators played there. They uh, translated uh, mostly scientific works from the Islamic world, works of philosophy, at the time, the distinction between uh, philosophy uh, and science was not as hard uh, as it is nowadays. Uh, works of philosophy, especially nat- natural philosophy. So you have uh, the whole range of uh, mathematics, astronomy, uh, logic, Aristotelian logic, uh, Greek philosophy. Finodo is working on a book about the role these translators played in medieval Sicily particularly in the 13th century when they did most of their work. In general, they translated works from Arabic into Latin as well as into Hebrew. This raises a question. Why would a king who doesn't speak Hebrew, why would he commission translation into Hebrew? The answer is that the king wanted to foster what Fenodo calls a republic of scholars. The king took pleasure in being surrounded by intellectuals and the fact of being surrounded by intellectuals who translated in their own language would increase their prestige as patrons of cultures and um, protectors of the arts. So it would serve a double purpose to increase the royal image of wisdom and interest in letters and and culture. And also the Jewish communities would uh, have these texts translated for their own use in the same time. Translators are generally thought of as highly specialized and largely invisible, Fenodo says. Fenodo takes a different approach, bringing translators out from behind the curtain and considering them as full-fledged intellectuals. 
they are doctors, uh, they are philosophers, they are alchemists. One of them was an expert in precious metals. He was often called to distinguish fake coins from good coins, silver coins, uh, gold coins. There were merchants who traded with North Africa. They are communal leaders. Jewish translators played other important roles that went beyond their technical work. They, by being so close to the court and doing other activities for the king as well, could actually quite effectively advocate on behalf of the Jewish community. And that may also explain why the Sicilian Jewish communities did not experience as much persecution as other medieval Jewish communities did in other parts of Europe. And also that allowed them to discuss uh, with other Christian scholars, engage in debates that were actually intellectual debates, not disputations to establish the truth of one religion rather than the other, so they could engage in real exchanges. Finodo takes an interdisciplinary approach in her work, incorporating methods from history of science, translation studies, European medieval studies, and, of course, Jewish studies. I think it's important because by by using another point of view, the point of view of another uh, discipline, we can do better explanatory work. So by changing the language of the discipline while approaching the same text and sort of pushing the limits on what is acceptable in one discipline, which is not acceptable in the other. So by trying to put all that together, I found that I could explain certain documents and certain phenomena much better uh, than uh, just adopting one single discipline. Finodo also uses texts that aren't normally analyzed together for a single project. For example, in her work on Jewish translators in medieval Sicily, she looked at collections of model letters used by officers of the court in their correspondence. There are precise rules and a precise etiquette on how to address members of the aristocracy rather than members of the clergy. So uh, the um, chancellery put together this collection of model letters for the use of the clerks, of the officers. It seems like uh, it doesn't have anything to do with studying Jewish translations, but it helped me, for example, to interpret the translator introductions. So many times translators write introductions to, to their work, and sometimes you find these highly stereotype, uh, stereotyped expressions in their introductions, in their dedications, in the text, uh, which is uh, meant to sort of work like either as a introductory material or as an appendix. So it, I was able to explain why did they write the, transla- the translation the way they did, especially the introductions the way they did. And where, certain, where did certain expression come from? So that's something which is hardly ever done in Jewish studies. Finodo has a key advantage for someone who studies translation. She's something of a polyglot. In fact, she was a professional translator for 15 years before she decided to go to graduate school. When she started her doctoral work, she wasn't even planning on studying translation. 
but one of her dissertation advisors, who studied the Jews of Venice, invited her to translate some documents from Venetian into English and convinced her to incorporate translation into her academic work. As Finotto says, translation followed her from industry to academia and from Italy to the United States. One of the reasons Finotto is drawn to studying Sicilian Jews is that they complicate the standard distinction between Ashkenazi and Sephardic Jews. Sicilian Jews can um, offer a different perspective from that, sort of a way of getting away from this dichotomy, because they are neither Ashkenazi nor Sephardic, so they were brought as slaves, so the tradition goes, They were brought as slaves by the Romans after the destruction of the Jerusalem temple. So they are actually natives. So maybe looking at something for whom this dichotomy, Sephardic versus Ashkenazi, doesn't uh, doesn't work, may sort of help uh, to look at Jews in a broader, more international, more culturally open Perspective. The Jews of medieval Sicily were distinct in other important ways. The pre-modern Jews of Sicily are actually experiencing uh, a very particular environment, a frontier society, an island in the middle of the Mediterranean which has all these different cultural influences. So it may be a good tool to sort of describe the diversity within Judaism and the Jewish communities. Also for the fact it was a kind of safe haven for Jews of uh, different cultural and linguistic backgrounds. It can offer a, a new way to explore issues of I don't know, diversity, inclusion, minority versus majority, histories, etc. Like many of the other Frankel fellows we've heard from this season, Fonodo is also interested in the politics of translation. So how translation and translators served power, who was controlling the flow of translation, who managed the representation of translation. As we've seen in other episodes, we can learn a lot from the decisions of those in power about what was worthy and not worthy of translation. For example, the Sicilian kings were very much inclined to choose works of political philosophy which would fit their own way of looking at at politics uh, and managing power. So there is a whole political value a bit of translation besides practical value. That's it for this episode and for this season of Frankly Judaic. We'll be back next season when our theme will be Second Temple Judaism, the challenge of diversity. We hope you'll join us. You've been listening to Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The executive producer is Jeffrey Weidlinger. Jen Richler is the lead producer. You can find and subscribe to Frankly Judaic anywhere you get podcasts. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening.